Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? I'm actually in what I'm going to start referring to as position two. <laughs> Since there are two positions I tend to favor in my home. I'm in the newer one, still seeing how I feel in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's like, that doesn't mean that one day you may actually return to position one, just to, to shake things up. I might do it in the middle of this recording, so if there's some shuffling, just... <laughs> I don't know if our audience is ready for this, you know? We are very conventional, we recorded 200 episodes in the same location. Well, not 200, but 50 on his location, <laughs> you know, because I changed like multiple times locations, but... Uh, and I'm still in Chicago. Funny enough, today is raining. We have a very city summer so far. So it's 80 degrees, 85, and then it starts raining. But is it like that nice, warm, wet weather that you can go sit under an umbrella and have brunch and it just feels cozy? It's a thunderstorm. Is they suddenly turn no, no. night? No, it's not. You don't want to be having brunch. <laughs> Sorry. Is that I don't think that we are like so. How did you say like such a hardship? Say a lot believers in the brunch charts for actually doing that. No, that's fair. Uh, cool. And talking about I don't know, say a lot. It's not the best way of putting this, but talking about that. What we was this time? So this was my pick and I picked a completely un unknown to me film. And I think unknown to you, you said you hadn't heard of yeah. it or you hadn't uh, seen it. Um, and I knew nothing about it except the Criterion channel sent me an email and quoted um, Almodovar who said, this is a perfect classic horror film. And I thought that's good enough for me to make Jose watch it. <laughs> And I guess it comes from your country in the 70s, and you have, I think you said you wanted to watch more horror that comes from Spain in the 70s, right? Yeah, the thing with the, with the or Spanish cinema, you know, it's like I had the feeling that it's like between, well, in the whole 70s, as it was like the transition, cinema was pretty wild in all of the different spectrums is what it was called like the uh, the age of the destape of the uncover and it's that we have like a lot of uh, gratuitous nakedness at that point because we couldn't everything was censored before 75 before uh, franco died so from that perspective it's always like a cinema that it can feel like a bit too gratuitous and i always tend to have it in lower esteem that i should and you're not speaking specifically about this piece of cinema, no. you're talking about the genre? In general, you know, like in general, like cinema on that time, it was weird. It was like trying to find like their fit, you know, and the other part is that this is like very associated with La Movida Madrileña, that it was like an underground culture movement that it happened like, you know, between late 70s to mid 80s. And it was like allowed like sexual liberation, a lot of drugs, music. I don't want to dive too deep into recent Spanish history, but was was there the uh, was there an amount of censorship when the Viridiana came out? Oh yeah, Viridiana, a lot. Basically, is that they had to fool like the uh, Spanish government with a fake script about like the movie that they were doing. And when it was released, and when it was released, I think there was in Sitges and it took like 40 years to actually just come to Spain. I don't know if it came like towards the end of the dictatorship or after he died, but it was like, yeah, that movie is like, definitely 
not something approved by the censorship. Alright, thank you. Thank yeah, you. no worries. And I love beauty. That I mean I find it like mind blowing. Yeah, I find it mind blowing because like you couldn't be doing that or you couldn't be doing this. You couldn't be doing a rebato like before. You couldn't do any that. of this in America, by the way. Never at any point. Oh, I mean it saving like the distances, I would say that maybe like a part of this is Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> But you never see like just a large penis becoming erect slowly. Is that okay? I have to love that your dogs react to this. <laughs> large that penis becoming was... erect. We all like dick around here, okay? <laughs> I can see that they got excited about that. Is that where where, where is what is the sausage? Uh, but yeah, this was your pick, and we can go like more about like the historical context later. I guess that I had to summarize it and. Uh, Let's see if I can do a brief summary because it's yeah, two I hours. Forward yeah. to you explaining this because not a lot happens, but a lot happens, and so seeing what you pick out as important is going to be fascinating to me. So yeah. good luck. Yeah. So basically, this follows like the story of two film directors, one that is like just building or preparing like for the release of his big movie that is called Jose, his first movie. And he becomes friends with another film director, but he likes shooting like in a very amateur kind of way. The story takes place in 79. So it's like the media, there is no digital cameras or anything. Everything is like just completely manual. And he's like, have like a very, man with a camera kind of a style you know very observational about like hey i don't i'm not following like a story or anything i'm just like recording things that i find interesting so they start like some kind of friendship and then this guy receives like a, a an envelope with like the films that pedro the other director recorded and he started like, just going through a i say like a tape that he recorded, that he tells him like his obsession with cinema and everything and the relationship that he had with Jose, the other director. The relationship from the perspective of friendship. That well, no, they they have had sex. I think everyone had sex with everyone in that film. <laughs> in this film, yeah. There, there was a very, you know, like time. Sex was like, you know, completely normal. Uh and it's just completely normal. But it was like very present, let's just say. Um the other director, Pedro, uh, lives in a small village outside of Madrid. Jose lives in Madrid. Uh, and after interacting a couple of times, Pedro moves to Madrid. He keeps recording. He finds like fascination, everything around him. And uh, he becomes like completely submerged by the life, the Madrid life. Until one day he loses his muse and he by accident records himself sleeping and discovered that in that recording of his sleep there is like a frame in red so he keeps recording himself sleeping it becomes like an obsession for him and that frame becomes like larger and larger until it takes over everything and after the last night that he gets recorded spoiler alert he disappears so Jose, leaving all of his obsession through the tape recording, he goes to pick up like that last movie that he recorded when he disappears. 
and he discovers, he develops like the last picture, he sees like a frame, like inverted, that is all red, and only a frame of him, like inviting him to join him on the other side of the film. And that's pretty much it. Is that a lot of weird stuff happens in here. Pedro has like a power for making people have like raptures, basically, like providing things that they relate and they were special to him, also to them. Like a, I say, like an album, you know, like with the stickers or like a, a doll to someone else. They don't develop like that power. Everything is like very surreal. Yeah, I, I would, don't know what to, what else to say to it. It's like, I, I would see it sounds movie. like we saw the same film. That's great. <laughs> yeah, good, good. And I do think that about halfway through, I feel like the, the shift was so imperceptible, but like reality stops mattering completely. Um, and so we spend kind of the first half of the film examining what's essentially addictive behavior, right? They're all addicted to heroin. They all are overly yep. sexualized in my pilgrim American opinion. Um, and two of them are particularly obsessed with cinema. And it's interesting because- But in a different way. Yeah, because to say like this is about cinema becoming a drug and consuming you is so reductive that it, you can't even say it out loud because there's, I feel like there's so much to this film and I feel like if you were to rewatch it again, there would be you would learn way more. I'm saying like a repeat viewing is probably going to be generous with you. It's I, I would say that I agree on that. Now there is the there is the question if I want to watch it again. Let's because it's not this. Let's okay, go ahead. I want to know if you liked it. I. It was hard to watch. That's true. It was hard for me to watch as well. Yeah. And it's like, knowing the language that they were speaking, when you are speaking like this to sound mysterious for two hours, it's tiresome. It's like super freaking tiresome because you can barely understand it. We have to put subtitles and we speak Spanish. It's my, my, my native language, my native tongue. No, no, that's a valid complaint. I was thinking if I ever, I, just because I was reading the subtitles myself, I, yeah. No. It, it's hard. It's hard to understand. You know, like that's the first part thing. Like, isn't does it try to make too much of an effort to be coherent? You know. So when it was over, I was like, just like, okay, I get it. Is that like the guy probably is addicted to drugs, like the director? And I was reading right now that yeah, he was. He's like, and this is a bit more of a reflection of his addiction in her to heroin, you know. And he used this as a bit of a vehicle for the observation of cinema and how it actually just like consumes you. But all of them are addictive to different things. So at the end, it's about like the rapture feeling of when you are like giving yourself away to any of these kind of addictions. Albeit you know that it's going to be bad for you. Is that the apartment where Pedro lives at the end and the bed that he has, it screams junkie. It screams like, hey, this, this guy is, yeah, he's a dictatorship. When a character sat down on it, I was like, I think that's supposed to be going to be gross. <laughs> yeah, it's the, I know I wouldn't test that. But it's like at the same time, it's a bit more of the scream to the uh, naivety 
of when they are kids is the how they actually have like that rapture of uh, hey, when I was a kid when there was no like all of these kind of additions around me that I gave myself into is that I felt like a pure bliss we even see like with Pedro that he has his teddy bear at the end but the other stuff that is like what the heck is that gunk what the heck is that vampire woman vampires No, the one at the end. Oh. Like when Pedro like goes with her and they take like this guy that it looks like a straight from Tom of Finland with a yeah, jockstrap. I, I like very quickly went to be like, I'm not understanding who can explain this scene to me. And I was like, no, there's no explanation. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. They don't even synopsis. I was like, what? <laughs> yep. It's, it, it's a ride, you know? So from that perspective, it's like I... I don't know if I like it or not. It's like I just felt like it is an experimental film, and you have to take it as it is. It's not about liking it or not. It's it's very experimental. I will say that the images are. Um, I'm gonna virtuosity. Like the images are so beautiful. There were so many times. My husband really loves um, photography, not as much in video, but I was like, you have to see this, like weird fucking just endless scene of beautiful images that I was reading had some sort of wait wait you're saying that because there was like a flaxseed phoenix becoming erect on the screen no but the 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 scenes just went on and you it would show dead bodies and then it would show the, like these beautiful ballerinas filmed in like this grainy super eight footage that would yeah these, like just endless images and yes but it's a beautiful erection yeah, but it's like also his man with a camera. It's like that kind of capture of actually like observing like life around. It's like I feel like I just feel like at that point it's like, dude, is that this is like a, a some kind of reference to the Soviet montage. Why do you why do you say that? Because it's that everything that we see from him is a bit more of a how do you say uh imagery diarrhea you know it's like a lot of images that is that there is no implicit connection of one to the next it's like it's a bit more about you like making that kind of connection the narration is like is what is giving us like a bit of a hey i moved there and i found like everything fascinated and we see like a lot of random stuff like happening in between but that was like the, what the soviet montage was that it was a bit more like if you put like images next to each other is like they're going to have a meaning when they are like connected. I don't feel like the sort of videography he was doing needs to be anything but beautiful. And I, yeah, there was nothing meaning. In fact, he's constantly talking about how he was like, oh, I reconnected with cinema, uh, with cinema, and I finally found the patterns that I always knew were there. And I can see patterns that, like this was just a man going insane. But he started out with something beautiful and then ended up a junkie in a bed letting the camera suck his life. I think that that's kind of how I saw it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. For me, it just feel like maybe I'm more cynical and maybe at that time it would have been like more amazing. But I had the feeling that it's like, given the historical or the political context, is that this is like an explosion for them that they can express in whatever way they want. They can put like everything that they couldn't or that they have to be like walking around and then just like making this diarrhea of images. Not in a bad sense, you know, but it's a, that, that bit is impossible 
to even like think about art. the drugs is like impossible anything that it was like just like overly sexual is like just completely out of the question or drugs so I don't disagree with you I was just thinking I was like well America is basically the same way at least with sex (laughs) to this day Uh, we'll just think about like the uh, how they actually shoot the drugs is like it's very graphical yeah like when it comes to drugs America will show anything when it comes to violence you can watch whatever you want as a 10 year old but god forbid you see an erection it'll ruin you for your entire life and not even in R-rated movies can you show a penis like that's what I mean is we're still very puritanical about sex I don't think that you can see many other erections in Spanish cinema either (laughs) so we just lucked into the best one (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably yeah but it's like I just don't use that right now it's an interesting time there was a I'm going to be like political for a second here but we have elections coming up in Spain when this podcast goes out it's like we will know on what kind of country do we live in if it's like post 1975 or pre-1975 but uh, Almodovar and other artists in the, in Spain they actually came out with a with a message about like we have to go to vote in the last month there have been like multiple kind of uh, how do you say like censorships in different cities around like theater plays and movies that they didn't want to have like any official you know if it was like a public event that the city hall can't say that it's like hey this is okay or not is that they were like just like cutting back on everything there was like a virginia wolf like theater play that it was censored there was like the disney movie uh uh like year like year was like year yeah like the one with the two women like kissing that is a dude it's like that this polemic was like two years ago no i said why is this happening now because they were going to be like playing it in a park and they were like no 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 they are like two women kissing we don't want that so is that they are doing like some strong moves and that's like why i'm not over yeah like a big regression you know um if they win at a federal level is that this can be like pretty bad i'm not talking about like no more penis erections i'm talking like no more for example another one is there something like told us over any matter is that that would be impossible to make because he recognizes the existence of non-straight people of transsexuals is that that's completely impossible wow that's intense yep yep it's intense what is funny about this movie is that uh, for just like continuing on the idea of what was the cinema during that time like the actors pedro and jose the ones that they played that is that they went to do a couple of the first almodovar movies that they are like more raw i don't think that they are like penis erections sorry but is that there is some yeah whatever yeah way more sexuality um fun fact did you notice how the cousin the female cousin had a little bit of a low voice and i was like is she supposed to be trans which one sorry um it's marta it's pedro's cousin that comes he basically just beats up Uh, Pedro Almodovar dubbed over her entire performance. That's Pedro Almodovar's voice. 
Oh, I think that he actually. So you're saying if Marta Fernandez Muro, Marta? That's who I thought it was. Who? So the actress is Helena Fernand Gomez. Oh, but that's like the other one, like the vampire, no? Yeah, because when, when when she started talking, I was saying that is like, why is that the voice? Is this transgender? Is like, is it what? But you're right. Like, that's a very weird, weird, weird scene. The whole thing. I can see all of your complaints about this, but I felt like the atmosphere building was and the mood was so good and so weird that even though I didn't like being in parts of this world it was just fascinating as hell and i don't know that i would like watching it again but i think i would respect the film i'm not respect i would just learn more about it and see things that i miss um and he could have definitely cut out 40 minutes like that that scene where um jose and his girlfriend just sing and dance cabaret for like five minutes god <laughs> I yeah no I a movie of two hours is like I wouldn't by choice I don't like splitting them in two days you know but it's this one I felt forced for I can't I just I just can't is that my I'm not you know like absorbing this in the right way it was like super hard for me to watch it there's no way you could do that like just on a normal weekday like work till six have dinner watch a movie casually go to bed yep but no this was not this was not a, an option honestly it's like after the first hour it's like oh my god there is one more hour of this okay so much <laughs> that's funny because i did check the time one time and it was right in the middle it, i'm guessing it was the same part we probably got bored and i was like i can't do another hour of this but then it got super good for me again yeah no for me it never really go like super good it always remaining uh this should be better is that i think that there may be like something here is very artsy very experimental very like from its time you know but also at the same time i don't i, I can't i can't it's like so so rough you know in all aspects that is like i can't I just got like lost highway vibes in the best way possible. Well, probably you actually look over what we were saying about like the uh, like the quality of the making, you know, of the movie. That would you were saying like for example like with Primer is that AI I can't I can't look I can't look over like the budget that it was used for this. For me it's obvious. And I think that maybe for me the problem is that just being from Spain is like a recognizable, like this is super low budget. It's like, it's very hard for me to get into this. Is that like all of the whispering raspy voice, like the part of, hey, if I actually comb my hair back, is that like I become like super deep voice, like a different person. It felt like a, a value version of Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, you're wrong because none of this bothered me. And also, I was going into it thinking we were going to have like a horrible original Suspiria experience, which I did not enjoy at all. And there was a lot that I enjoyed about this film. So maybe I was just too forgiving, but I liked it. 
Oh, no, no, no. I'm not... Other people watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, you already made me watch it, so... Uh, but uh, I'm not I'm not saying that it's bad or anything. It's like for me, it's like it didn't end up clicking, you know? It was more like, I see the point. That's what I told you. I told my boyfriend, it's like, I see the point. I only wish that it was better. Yeah, and maybe I liked it so much because it reminded me of Pi and people looking for... Um... Like, oh. I'm not joking about this. Like, it's kind of that frenetic, oh my gosh, you're looking for patterns in something where it doesn't exist and you're going to lose your mind. No. Um, huh. no, there was a second movie. I was going to mention Pi because you hate the Southern Root too, but anyway. <laughs> There's a lot I liked about it from films that I like that you don't. Like Persona? Yeah, I can't believe we didn't even touch upon this. Um... <laughs> I can see it. I I was trying to think like I this slow contempl contemplative experimental horror. This is actually why I'm making you watch what I'm making you watch next because it's kind of in this same style. Which you sent me an article today that was like, hey, this is as good as Persona, which you also didn't like. I didn't watch Persona. You've never seen it? No, no. I, I mean, the only no. No, the seven seed is like the one that I say is like fuck you, Berman. Uh but no, the only one that I watched by him from the beginning to the end it was Winter's Light. And I like it. Well, so coming soon that... on the podcast. <laughs> Persona, spoiler alert. The ten series, the ten episode series on Emar Bergman exclusively. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And and thing of thing are going to be about funny Alexander, no? No, that's just episode 10. <laughs> <laughs> 10 hours. Um, yeah, no, no, I feel... The, the thing that I was thinking is there was a, a time in Spain, the cinema, this type of cinema, that at the end is like, it's Almodovar, this guy, and two other directors. It was freaking surreal. Like, super surreal. It was not so much about like making sense. It was like about being out there you know is that maybe we should watch like some of the early stuff from Almodovar maybe you would like it I'm down to try for sure huh? um we should also watch like the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie I know that yeah that was we never watched years earlier we did I think yeah before we started recording but I I'm pretty sure that we watch it. We should watch also uh, what's it called, like the Exterminator Angel. Angel. I don't know that one. I've heard of it, but I know nothing about it. I thought that we even watched it together. Well, that probably happened. I don't remember movie names like you do. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Tell me, uh, tell me what the Exterminator Angel. Oh yeah. The Exterminator Angel. Yes. Terminating it. Yeah, it's kind of a... Like, Spain kind of has the corner on this niche. Kind of this, like, absurdist, like, surrealist... They, oh, they, it's interesting cinema. No, no, you're right, yeah. That may be... But they have, I don't know, a part, a part of me just thinks that they have to come from something else. 
I don't know what is the influence because I was trying to think about like when I was when we were watching this Arabato, I was trying to think is like what is the external influence for this like super bizarre thing. The only one that I can that I can think about it was a uh, electric. No, there was this movie. Maybe I'm being a little too obtuse, but like in terms of the what I would call the Spanish heritage of this, didn't didn't it all kind of start with art in like the 30s with Picasso and Cubism started and Buñuel was doing like paintings as well as cinema and they were trying to figure out how to fit these new ideas into cinema. Maybe, maybe it is. Uh, there is. There was a movie that I was like some years ago, and I think that I even told you about it. That it was also I, I would try to find it, but it was in New York, and it had like a similar vibe to this. I would try to find it, and I will I will send you the link. We can just talk about it like the next, uh, you know, like on the side, uh, if you ever like watch it. But uh, you're right; it may actually just be like a bit more of a cultural trend that it has always been there, like that kind of surrealism, like just like the underlying that it went like from the paintings to actually like other media. But yeah. Cool. Should we go over the questions? Let's do it. Right. Uh, would you watch it again? I I would. Like I would watch, rewatch Irreversible. I would rewatch Irreversible, but I wouldn't rewatch this. I know, that's why I'm saying I feel the same way. It's not going to be a pleasant experience, but I think the film has enough to give that I'd be willing to do it again. But I had a feeling that it's like Irreversible is going to be an unpleasant experience because you know that it's going to be like very grotesque. It's going to be like gross, it's going to be on your face, it's going to be like a provocator art. This I just feel like it's going to be confusing and drag and weird. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of people shooting up drugs and having sex with whores, and I mean, it, this wasn't like a walk down. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> this was also a really gross world to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean like from different reasons, I guess. But yeah, you're right. Is like both of the the other one feels more coherent, like the story and the narrative that is being presented here. I still wonder what the heck is that gank. That we see over and over. I don't think you'll ever get your answer. And okay. I would look for it, but nothing is written about this film in English, so. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we owe this to the audience that they may actually fall, <laughs> you know, like just like listening to us. Is then it would be great for them to actually just know what the gunk is before they approach this film or after. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. uh, would you recommend Arabato? Yeah. Uh, it would have to be in a delicate situation or somebody like basically me or you that's like super into cinema and is willing to take some risks are okay if the movie fails in a lot of ways. It's... Yeah, I, I'm a bit torn because if someone asked me about I just recommend like a weird Spanish movie. I may remember this. Probably I will go to Buñuel first, as we were saying. But this is weird enough that I may remember, you know, like my, the name may come up if someone asks me about like something weird. So for you, this film is like Las Vegas. Like you hate it, but you have to go one time. <laughs> and you would tell other people, 
It's awful. You should see it once. <laughs> I don't. I don't. First of all, I don't think that it's awful. I just. It's more of a. Hey, I think that there is, as you said, there is a need. There is actually like a, a conversation. And sometimes that is like I cannot picture a conversation where this is like the 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 word that comes out of my mouth. In this case, yeah, I can picture like several conversations where actually the result is me saying arrebato. All right. So you write so, down this for you. I did write this for me. Thank you. Uh, would you remember arrebato? It's you know how I'm not great at remembering movies anymore, but this one is so ethereal, I'm definitely not going to remember anything about this. Like, nothing. I think that I would only remember, spoiler alert again, but uh, the camera swallowing people. Yeah, one of the main gimmicks, I'll be like, I think a camera makes everyone disappear. <laughs> <laughs> at the end, yeah. That is like, he's so much... I, I even like explained it to, to my boyfriend yesterday in a way of uh, it's like the camera became like the recorder you, I mean it's always the recorder but it's a bit more of the operator about like hey, you are observing through the lens you're capturing everything on the lens and it's like now the camera is capturing like for good like from reality so maybe we'll remember that but it's like I don't think that the last 10 minutes of the movie is enough for saying that I remember the whole movie. That's fair. I didn't understand yeah. the last 10 minutes of the movie, so... <laughs> <laughs> is there anything artistic about it? Yeah, man. I thought it was... some of the special effects, I was like, I just did that so casually in the late 70s? Like, nothing felt dated at all to me. It was... Yeah, no, there's a lot. And I think the imagery was gorgeous. Okay, okay, no, that's fair. Uh, for me, yeah, I feel like there is artistic stuff in here. There is also like a lot of uh, camp level stuff. Artsy stuff. <laughs> yeah, but that it didn't materialize as, you know, it fell a bit more on the artsy fartsy part. Yeah, yeah, that's the term I meant. <laughs> yeah, more than actually, it's like, oh, this is artistic. This is, this is not Aronofsky. <laughs> That's fair. I, I will never try to get you to say this is perfect film. I don't feel that way. But, like, for this guy to just be like, I'm going to direct one single movie and never do another movie again, I would have never guessed this was someone's first movie. Like, the competence and the direction. I was like, Jesus, this guy knew exactly what story he wanted to tell. And then he's like, I'm done. I'm never directing again. Did he die after that? I don't know, to be honest. Does his last name mean anything, by the way? Uh, no, I think that is just a Zulueta, a random last name. Yeah, he died in 2009, 16 years, 16, sorry, uh, 66 years old. What a pity. Well, I definitely would have liked to have seen a second film. It can be interesting. I don't know if he did anything. Uh... Oh, no, he never did anything else. This was his one movie. No, no, no. Silhouette directed a couple of episodes for two different TV serials. Well, we can watch TV if you want, but... Oh, wow. Okay. 
Both were traced by Silhouetta's style, visual obsession, circular screenplay, format mixing, film and video, and a fragmented, a fragmented editing, editing which reminded some of David Lynch's movies. I mean, a lot of this reminded a lot of this film reminded me directly of very specific films of David Lynch. It reminded me a lot of Ingmar Bergman. Um, it reminded me a lot in some points of Stanley Kubrick, but, but I don't know if I was reaching with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but the other ones, you can see there was a clear influence. A clear influence. Well, I mean, just think that David Lynch had only done Eraserhead at a point. Yeah, I, I think this guy influenced David Lynch, is what I'm saying. What? I mean, I'm just guessing, but I guarantee you David Lynch was like at some film festival in LA and saw this. I was like... I'm gonna make Lost Highway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's just let's just put a pin on that. Let's just put a pin on that. Okay. Uh, do you think that Arrivato is a timeless piece? I do. It's completely timeless. In fact, even if you wanted to take away whatever comment he had in 1979, and you wanted to make this about social media, it works perfectly. And what? And yes, no, 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 no. in a way, then it would just be about addiction and needing things. Yes, I do think it's time. I could say that if you go like into what is the underlying like topic, yeah. But I also I think that it's like so soaked into the reality of the moment, into those late 70s, early 80s, you know, of the La Movida Madrileña, that I feel like part of their value, at least for me, like someone from Spain is like I see like completely stuck on that time. But like this movie also reminded me a lot about an Antonioni film that we love called Blow Up. Um, just because they were using super antiquated like photographic equipment, which yes, firmly dates that story in a in a specific part in time because of the technology that they needed to show on film. I don't that think that dates anything. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not talking about like the technology per se. I'm talking a bit more about like what are like the values that they are like displaying in the movie. Because blow up, actually, I think that is timely from the perspective that it tries to resonate with what is the reality of that time in the seventies. Is that you see all of those protests on the streets, you know, you see like counter movements and the likes. That is, like, is a bit more of what was happening in society. Okay, so that makes it timely for you. What yeah, I mean, in this case, it's like, it's a stack in La Movida Madrileña. That is like, it's a period of time. It's like, but maybe it's because I know what that was. Is that that's the reason why for me is like, yeah, I understand like what is the, the underlying topic and that's timeless. But the how it was made, like what is displayed on the screen is like, this is pretty clear that it's a centerpiece of La Movida. Like culturally, you know. Uh, could you turn Arrebato into a TV show? No, no. Like I said earlier, I, I would have preferred they cut out 30 or 40 minutes. Um, but no, I would not want to expand this world any further. Yeah, me neither. I think that is is fine. It's two hours. Sure. Yeah. No. No more. I don't need to develop like more of the characters. Maybe if it was like a different director, maybe if the script was like more police. 
he will have like a different kind of energy and uh, and at that point i think i think that there is an erect penis outside <laughs> your toes are getting over excited shelby's like where where is it yeah so if he had like a bit more of police to it it's true it would have been like a different movie but maybe it would be like more interested in seeing like other characters going through these raptors and we didn't even talk about what was the name anna was the uh, the girlfriend anna, anna turner the camera was mad at it, well but it's that's cecilia roth that we just talk about her in all about my mother Did you know that it was like com a complete different person like between the two to that maybe she was like 20 years old on this but uh, maybe there was more potential here but with what i was giving i don't have a desire of watching more of it yeah. Uh, could this have been a sort? I don't think so. I think he needed a pretty good amount of time with us to get his points across. Um, he didn't need all of it, but yes. Uh, I, he, I felt like most of the things, the scenes were pretty thoughtfully done, even if I didn't think they needed to be there. <laughs> uh, I was going to go with yes, but I, I'm going to change it to no because I think that at least one hour will be needed. So it's, it doesn't meet the cutoff? It doesn't meet the cutoff, but it's like it, it could be reduced like significantly, you know, like in runtime. And now this actually takes us to the last one. Or do you think this movie could have been better? I honestly don't know what I would say. It's it's not a perfect film. I don't think it's perfect. It's but there's nothing that's glaring for me. It worked for me on most levels, so I'm just gonna say no. Okay. Uh for me I'm going to go with yes. But I also think that if you actually, as I was saying, like you polish the script, you remake it like completely, the result would be a different movie. I don't know what movie could it be, if it could be more enjoyable, if it could be more tolerable, if it could be more engaging. I don't know. It would have been interesting to give this script to Diablo Cody for some rewrites. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't. That's an interesting pick. What the script? When there was like that kind of photo montage, you know, like the video montage that you were saying that is beautiful, I was thinking. Uh, in Spike Lee. Uh, the, the no, Spike one. Jones. Spike Jones. Crap, I always. Yeah, Spike Jones and adaptation. Hmm. I can't even remember a slideshow and adaptation. Yeah, when uh, Nicolas Cage starts writing with Charles comments, they're like, oh my god, I'm this star of the universe. And you see like all of these sequence, like live, death, reverse, but like, super like fast pace. So. The what? Six Feet Under did it really well, too. Sure. <laughs> Fair. But no, I would like to see actually like a, a Charles Kaufman rewriting this script. Yeah, yeah. What I said about how I feel like reality just kind of goes away at some point, Charlie Kaufman would have a field day like that. Well, I mean, it's just like that movie he directed where essentially you start out the film in reality and then you realize you are nowhere in... Uh, I think you've ending things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, spoiler alert. 
that was a Netflix movie. If you didn't watch it right when it came out, no one ever goes back to that. Yeah, the algorithm is not going to be like bringing it up ever. Don't worry. Yeah, he's lost. Yeah. Uh, and that's funny. Is there any movie from Netflix, like pure from Netflix, that is still important or relevant? The only one I could think of, and I didn't even see it because everyone said it was boring. Uh, the black and white by the black and white film by oh Rome, Roma? yes, Rome. he's not in your region. He's quite yes, old. I know. That's why I wasn't gonna say it because <laughs> every time I say it, and I'm embarrassed. <laughs> uh, I don't know, dude. I I had the feeling, but it's a bit more about like how Netflix actually just divorces itself. It cannibalizes itself. So it pushes like its own content like away because there has to be like always something new for just like keeping the audience in case. I saw some TikToker today um, who was invited to a big Netflix release party for a huge new film with amazing actors and I had never heard of it and I was like, I'm sure it's gonna make them their money and no one will ever hear of this film ever again. It's, it's fascinating. It's like it has started like a all of the industry in such a fast-paced, fast-food cycle. Yeah, it's like H and M for cinema. Yep. For, yeah, it's like this, like the fashion of the week, and then next week there is a new Tiger King. I wish A twenty four just had like a monthly subscription program where I could just invest in the best young voices in cinema. Just my twelve bucks a month, I'd be like, bring me another Midsommar, okay? <laughs> Young, young voices like Aronofsky. Yes, please. Bring me okay. Mother Part Two. <laughs> I kick, they can do a Kickstarter like of their own movies. They they should actually do that. You know that it's a bit more about like, hey, you pay five hundred bucks and you get like a thank you email by Aronofsky and two tickets. And you can just like, sponsor, like do the Kickstarter of the movie that you want. So you can marketer say like, sell this. The what? Sorry. The marketer in my head can sell this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that you can. <laughs> you know, but that you can just suggest. You can have like polls and everything for just like crazy ideas. Like, hey, I want to do like a Ariaster. I want Ariaster to do like a family drama based on the Looney Tunes. I mean, that's literally what the how they're studying us to this day. They're just not allowing us to vote with our money. So. Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, should we score Arabato? I have no idea how to score this. None at all. But well, this we was your pick, to... so I had to speak it. I got to be fair, so I'm going to be like 6.5. Oh, we didn't differ that much. I'm going to go with 7.5. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, one second, it's like, I think that there is something here, but it's like, dude, this is painful to watch. I'd like to, because of its status as a cult classic, I would like to rewatch it again in like 10 years and see if I see it differently. Like I re-saw Donnie Darko differently. And it's also a cult classic for very different reasons. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I mean, so uh, the next one, as I pick like two back to back, the next one is your pick. So what are we it watching? Is. And we're going to watch an Ingmar Bergman film because I've been wanting to watch this with you for a long time. And then when I saw this movie and you sent me the article comparing this movie to Persona, I was like, yeah, we're definitely doing it. So what are we watching? Oh, sorry. Because... Hour of the Wind. Ingmar Bergman. <laughs> okay. Because Bergman has like many movies. It's not about like just pick your own Bergman adventure. 
I own 39 of them myself. <laughs> okay, cool. Good for you. Just keep it there. Uh, so are the wolf, yeah. Uh, just to uh, complete the duology with time of the wolf, no? Yeah. And finally, <laughs> maybe I'll remember which one is named which, because this is the <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, you wouldn't have anything else to say about Arabato? No, I think that's more than enough. <laughs> more than enough. Yeah, thank you for your time, Sulwet. And uh, yeah, and to everyone out there listening to us, thank you so much for putting up with us. And...